This is the Lions Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. It's not for the faint-hearted, but the chosen few who've embraced the call to leadership, dare to venture where others will not, and believe in God's supernatural power. Join Carl Joseph now for a life-changing word. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. Friend, today I'd like to talk about Mormonism, or better known as the Latter-day Saint movement, and particularly the dangers of Mormonism, because you could argue that of all the cults out there, Mormonism is the most effective counterfeit to biblical Christianity ever devised. Right now, there are about 15 million adherents of Mormonism worldwide, with roughly 57% of them living outside the United States. These numbers stem from an aggressive form of evangelism, having a very zealous missionary program. In fact, they have 18,000 missionaries and growing. They are well-trained and seem to focus more on college towns. Basically, Mormonism is run like a giant corporation with a huge annual income. All Mormons are required to give. They are required to tie their income and have very faithful givers as a result. In fact, Mormons have a good reputation largely in the community because they focus on a high moral standard and family values, but this is a reflection of their works rather than the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yet they deny the doctrine of original sin and teach that Christ's death and atonement only removes guilt for past sins, not future ones. But what exactly is Mormonism and who founded it? Well, that gentleman was Joseph Smith Jr. and he was born in 1805 in Charon, Vermont. His father was a treasure hunter and he spent time digging for the treasure of Captain Kidd, a famous pirate in Vermont and New York State. His dad also got into some trouble for trying to mint his own money. As a result, the young Joseph Smith was a poorly educated and superstitious youth with no record of any biblical training whatsoever, who often accompanied his father on these pirate treasure hunts. He also made extensive use of divining rods and peak stones in an attempt to find the treasure of this famous Scottish pirate from the 17th century. As we know, divining rods are a means to find water with the use of demons or familiar spirits and are occultic tools. The treasure of Captain Kidd is the stuff of legends and for more than 300 years people have been trying to find it to no avail and that includes Smith as there is no record of anyone ever finding it. Notwithstanding, Smith's treasure hunting habits and persistence earned him a bad reputation among those who knew him when he was growing up in Palmyra, New York. Now here is where things get very interesting, and I want you to pay close attention, my friend. In 1820, Smith claimed he had received a vision in which both God the Father and God the Son appeared to him. He was told in this vision that all churches were an abomination to God and that he was being charged as a prophet to restore the true gospel to the world. Now, while we're on the topic, let me read some words to you from the Apostle Paul, who specifically warned the Corinthians of Satan's attempt to beguile their minds with other fables posed as truth. And I'm reading from 2 Corinthians 11.4. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. 
That's 2 Corinthians 11.4. Friend, beware when anyone tells you about the true gospel, because if all the established churches that existed for 1,800 years prior to Joseph Smith are false, I have a left-handed shovel I want to sell you, my friend. No, Joseph Smith's supernatural visitations in the form of visions are indeed evidence of another gospel, not the true gospel. Then in 1823, Joseph Smith claimed that an angel called Moroni, and in some accounts, Nephi, allegedly appeared to him about a number of golden plates, which he would later uncover and translate. Did you notice that the source of the writings for Mormonism sounds a bit like a treasure hunt? So does the Apostle Paul have something to say about angels appearing to us and advising us about the truth? It sure does. I'm glad you asked. I'm reading from Galatians 1.8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now these golden plates were inscribed with reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics, which Smith was supposedly able to translate by means of a huge pair of spectacles called the Urim and Thummim. From 1827 to 1829, he translated these plates, and in 1830 he published the results, which became the Book of Mormon. Now, just for the record, the real Urim and Thummim were artifacts used during the time of the Levitical priesthood to determine the will of God. No one can say with absolute certainty on the exact nature of these objects, but they were a means by which God expressed his will to his people through the priest. Some scholars speculate that the Urim and Thummim were two flat stones with the equivalent of yes, i.e. Thummim, and no, Urim, inscribed on them. But this is mere speculation at best. But categorically, no one can validate these were giant spectacles from Woolworths or wherever else Joseph Smith got these supposed heavenly artifacts. In 1829, Joseph Smith then went on to found the Church of the Latter-day Saints in Fayette, New York. He later moved his core followers to Kirtland, Ohio, in Zion, Illinois. During that time, the Mormons were accused of committing several crimes and as a result were required to leave Missouri also by order of Governor Boggs in 1839. Smith then led his followers to Illinois, where he built a city named Nauvoo. There he first instituted the practice of polygamy, which to this day is still practiced within the church. A local newspaper rose up at the time criticizing Smith and his followers of polygamy, and he tried to destroy the local newspaper because of its stand against Mormonism. Consequently, Smith and his brother Hiram were thrown in jail, and unfortunately, an angry mob stormed the jail on June 27, 1844, and shot Smith and his brother, thus making the martyrs for the cause of Mormonism. Now, most Mormons uh, soon submitted to the leadership of their first new president, and his name was Brigham Young. He led thousands of Mormons on a strenuous journey through the Southwest until they arrived in Salt Lake City in July 1847. There, Young announced, this is it, and hence the reason for so many Mormons living in that location today. Young died in 1877, but he continued and encouraged the practice of polygamy and took 25 wives for himself up to his death. Since that time, the Mormons have vehemently resisted the U.S. government's efforts to make Utah a state and later resisted the polygamy laws. Today, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is divided into a series of wards and stakes led by the president, a council of 12 apostles, and a council of 70. 
As you can see, they deliberately choose to model their organization around the template that Christ instigated within the gospel accounts. One of the litany of false teachings they purvey is that they have restored the priesthood of both Aaron and Melchizedek. But friend, the word of God says there is only one high priest who made his sacrifice once and for all, and that is Jesus Christ. In addition, this priesthood is not transferable, and we are also all saints and priests in God's sight by the blood of the Lamb. So this notion that these priestly orders have been restored is totally false. If you want to find out more about the precise role of Jesus Christ as high priest today, I urge you to read the book of Hebrews. Now, the actual texts they use as scripture include the Book of Mormon, Doctrines and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. The Book of Mormon, which supposedly was written by several people from about 600 BC to 428 AD, tells of the immigration of an ancient people known as the Jaredites from the Tower of Babel to Central America. Another false teaching they pose is that all black people are cursed with dark skin because they are descendants of Cain, and only until recently have Mormons allowed African Americans to enter their priesthood. Most Mormons believe that Jesus Christ is the natural offspring of Mary and Adam, not the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they deny the true deity of Jesus Christ as God. Mormons say that Jesus is really no different from any other man, and he is referred to as our elder brother, and even go as far as to claim that Lucifer was the spirit brother of Jesus. Okay, so let's get into the text itself, and I will share briefly some problems with the Book of Mormon. Number one, there are no reliable witnesses whatsoever that Joseph Smith ever found any gold plates as he claims. Even by his own admission, any witnesses were later denounced by Smith as men of low character. Number two, even though the Book of Mormon was supposedly buried in 428 AD, amazingly its contents of about 25,000 words were copied verbatim from the 1611 King James Bible. This is a 2,000 year discrepancy. Friend, this is nothing but evidence of plagiarism from a charlatan. Number three, the book also covers over 2,000 corrections made since 1830, and many of these changes have changed the meaning of the text. If Smith's translations were truly divinely inspired as he claims, there would be no need for these changes. To top that, Smith even copied some of the translation errors of the King James Version, further verifying his plagiarism. Let me just say right here that Mormons are some of the friendliest people I've ever met. I've worked with many of them down the years, and they would invite me to their homes. They're always very welcoming. I have sat down and ate dinner with them, uh, and I want to share with you another short story that I had with my wife. We were vacationing out in Utah several years ago, and um, we switched places because it was a long drive. So my wife was driving at the time, and I said, hey, babe, watch out for that boulder. See the one over there? See that boulder right there? Watch out for that. Anyway, after we hit the boulder, uh, we, we basically were just standing by the roadside. We couldn't do anything. We were completely in a remote area. I was a little bit freaking out. Didn't want to tell her that. We had no water, nothing. Hey, and just for the record, my wife is a very good driver. That was a one-off incident. She doesn't have accidents, so don't come away thinking something else from that. It wasn't but five minutes. This family drove up in, a, in an SUV, and they were so friendly. They said, we'll drive you to the garage. We'll take care of this. We'll make a call. I'll drive up the road, call the garage. Uh, they were just the nicest people I ever met, and uh, they were friendly and caring. But I f came to find out that they were Mormons and shared a little bit of the Lord with them. But it's like their mind was just so dogged on what they believed. They, they didn't even show an inkling that what I was saying to them was even uh, something they were open to. 
Friend, if you're a Mormon, I urge you to investigate your own organization as soon as possible. Look into the text. Go and buy yourself a King James Bible. Start reading the red letters. Allow it to speak to you. Because your parents or your grandfather or your family is involved in this doesn't mean it is right. It should be founded on the truth of God's word. If someone claims they possess the word of God, they need to prove it is inerrant, infallible, and divinely inspired, not copied from the King James itself, as I have made clear. Just because you're born into it doesn't mean you have to stay in it. Joseph Smith copied because he knew in his heart that the King James Version of the Bible was the real word of God. That's why he copied it. It witnessed with his spirit. The sad fact is that Mormonism is a works-based system. No one has assurance right now that they are going to get to heaven. Only at the end of their life will they find out. And that is very sad, my friend. Your works are never going to be good enough. You are so far short of the works. Remember what Jesus said, there is none good, no, not one. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you are basing, my friend, if you're a Mormon, you're basing your entire belief system on a treasure hunter who was unsuccessful and decided to effectively make up the organization. No amount of works will enable you to get into the kingdom of heaven. And the Book of Mormon certainly is not infallible. Friend, it's time to do your own research. I pray for your soul. I pray that the blinders would come off your mind and that you would see the truth of God's gospel. Friend, you can have assurance today of being born again into Christ Jesus, baptized into Christ. You don't need to wait until Judgment Day. You can assure your salvation right now. I also wish to thank Dr. Kenneth Boer for granting me permission to use some of his source material in this broadcast. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who has witnessed God's miraculous power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl covers topics such as geopolitics, current affairs, cults, societal trends, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.